Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Welcome to the Yoga Hour Offering insights and practices for spiritually, consciously living today Here's your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour, a time to open our hearts and minds to the infinite. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of the Yoga Hour, and today we're going to be discussing insights and time-tested practices from the ancient system of yoga. Now, when, when most Westerners hear that word, yoga, they think of a more limited uh, practice, perhaps some... Um, stretching or um, different uh, poses, but actually yoga is a Sanskrit word which means oneness, union, or unity. And what it's really talking about is bringing together our attention and awareness with our essential spiritual nature to be restored to our original wholeness. It's actually all about philosophy and practice for spiritually conscious fulfilled living in today's world. Our topic today is optimize your health. How do we recognize when we are out of balance and make corrections to restore optimal health? Today, we're going to be talking about self-care practices that can help us to reclaim our balance and well-being. And my guest today is Amy Wheeler, PhD, who has been a professor of kinesiology at California State University, San Bernardino for 21 years. Amy's degrees include a BA and MA in health promotion and a PhD in education and psychology. Amy has extensive yoga training in the Krishnamacharya tradition and was certified as a yoga teacher, a yoga teacher trainer, and yoga therapist. Amy has helped to set standards for yoga therapists in organizations such as NAMA, the National Ayurvedic Medical Association. Amy is a co-founder of the Optimal State of Living, an organization that certifies yoga teachers and yoga therapists at the 200, 300, 500, 800, and 1,000 hour levels. Amy is currently president of the board of directors for the International Association of Yoga Therapists. You can find out more about Amy and her work at her website, amywheeler.com. Dot com. Welcome, Amy. I am really delighted you could join me today on the Yoga Hour. Thank you, Laurel. I'm so happy to be here. Hi. So before we dive into our dialogue about optimizing our health, let's start with a moment of meditation. Let's start with that yoga moment. <clears throat> oh. So let's 
Let's begin by taking this moment out of our busy day to just be here, right here, right now. And we can use our breath, which fortunately is always with us. It it can help bring our attention to the present. So let's just take a fully conscious breath, just noticing as we inhale and exhale. Just noticing the natural rhythm of our breathing as we inhale. And with the out breath, we let go. Just notice the cool air in the nostrils as you breathe in. And the warm air breathing out. And just imagine with each exhale, sorry, with each inhale, diving within. And with each exhale, just relax. And as we dive within, we open our heart to the essence at the core of our being. This one reality, called by many names, is the support and substance of all that is. Right where we are, right here and now, this essence, this divine essence is present as you, as me, as everyone and everything. It's within us, between us, and all around us. As we rest here in our heart, we may notice thoughts or feelings as they arise. And we realize we can just watch them, watch them as they pass away. By resting here in this essence of our being, we become aware of our essential nature beyond words and thoughts, beyond all change. Just this ever-present sense of being, the mental field, the emotional nature, and the physical body. We abide in this peace and remember that we can bring it with us in our day. It's the portable peace that Yogananda described. And as we bring it into our day, we can share it with all that we meet. So once again, Amy Wheeler, welcome back to the Yoga Hour. It's, again, delightful to have a chance to speak with you again. I am so happy to be here, and I'm very um, feeling so much gratitude that we get to talk about this topic this morning because I feel that so many of us are kind of out of sorts recently, and it's just a really great time to 
figure out how to come back home, come back to ourselves, come back to a place of peace within ourselves. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, so let's start off the conversation by talking about balance. Um, I think, of course, everybody sort of has an idea what we mean by balance, but, um, you know, there's the physical balance that we have that we practice in a Hatha yoga class, but obviously balance has a much larger meaning in relationship to our health. So what does it mean to be in balance from a health perspective? You know, the, the model that I like to use is that, um, when we are in acceptance, when we are in non-judgment, when we are just really present, kind of like the meditation you just took us through, um, when we can just be, when we can relax into ourselves and allow whatever arises to come up and, and be seen and kind of digest that and let it go, to me that is balance. But most of the time we're not, we're not there. We have um, so many things going on in our lives that are pulling us in all directions and we pack our lives so full. And the model that I like to use for being in balance versus out of balance actually comes from yoga and Ayurveda, and it's based on the gunas, if you know what, what the gunas are. But it basically well, says that... Well, why don't you we go ahead and, get... and uh, you know, talk about it for our, our listeners, oh, okay. the gunas. So the yeah. gunas are, um, they are basically what all matter is made up of. Mm-hmm. And that means a tree, that means you, me, my dog, my cat, a rock... Um, and the gunas are basically made up of the five elements, so earth, water, fire, air, and space. And different combinations of those five elements create um, different things in the material world, such as a rock is going to have more earth, and maybe a cloud is going to have more air and space. Mm -hmm. So everything in the manifest world is made up of the five elements, and therefore, looking at different combinations of the elements, we get the gunas. Now, these gunas also show up in our emotions, they show up in our minds, they show up uh, in our personalities. So, for example, someone could have a very fiery personality versus a very watery personality, or someone could have, you know... it's not just physical, tangible objects that are made up of the gunas, but everything we experience is, uh, as I said, emotions, the mind, even thoughts we have are made up of these gunas on a very subtle level. So when we get out of balance, to kind of get back to your, your question, we might get out of balance in a direction of one of these gunas. So we might get out of balance where we're feeling more spacey, and we can't really focus, and we've got too many balls in the air, and and it's making us feel a little bit anxious and worried and restless. That might be one direction that we get out of balance. Another direction we could get out of balance is more in the direction of fire. Uh, we might be more controlling and impatient and judgmental or unkind. And then a third direction we can get out of balance is more in kind of the the watery, earthy, uh, what I like to call the mud, which is (laughs) feeling more uh, kind of grief or stuck or 
uh, negative thinking or depressed or low energy. So this model of getting out of balance in one of these three directions comes from the ancient texts. Are you, do you have too much air and space? Do you have too much fire? Or do you have too much water and earth, which is more like mud? And And so when we are in balance, when we are feeling good, we don't have um, too much of the air and space or too much of the fire or too much of the mud. We actually are lacking those things. We have delinked or detached from those things. And what is left when you can just be in this present moment as you beautifully took us through our meditation, when you can just be here now and just feel and and not be out of balance in one of these directions, that's true peace. And mm-hmm. and so um, I think... So what, balance, one of the things that I really love about what you're just describing is how yoga is really... Um, looks at the at the world through a lens that allows us to work with these tendencies like these constitutions that you were just describing you know someone who's more airy well uh, or or fiery let's use fire so you know um both yoga and ayurveda as you're saying look at the world as also containing a lot i mean everything has those aspects and so a lot of understanding how to get back into balance is also understanding what brings us out of balance, you know, so for example, for someone who has a lot of fire, um, and they may be even be attracted to these kind of things I'm going to mention, but they can potentially bring them more out of balance, you know, for example, someone who's very fiery to, you know, to go on their lunch break at noon, which is a very hot time of day and to go and do hot yoga (laughs) at noon is probably not the best idea, you know, for someone who's already very fiery, right? Exactly. And and like you said, that's what they tend to be attracted to. Especially when we're out of balance, balance, right? Yeah. Once you're out of balance, you if you're already fiery, you're gonna you're gonna love that hot sauce. You're gonna love a good political uh argument. You're gonna you're gonna like <laughs> things that get you more out of balance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know and- I was just going to say, so what I love about that is just recognizing that, you know, everything in the world can either help or hinder us, you know, from, you know, from um, returning to balance. Um, So it's not just a a more limited, like, you know, going to yoga class, you know, but really looking at how we're living our lives. That's exactly right. I mean, if we think of the one hour, hour and a half that we spend in yoga class a couple of times a week, it's wonderful. It does bring us home to ourselves. It does allow us to feel and breathe and check in. But ultimately, if we're living a lifestyle that is taking us out of balance into the fire direction or the air and space direction or the earth and water direction, if we're constantly putting in 23 hours a day of other energies, it's, it's not sustainable. And eventually, right. interestingly, it leads to certain disease pathologies within us over right. 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Right. So what are some signs then that we can look for for not being in balance? Okay. Um, so the, the way that I do it, I have these, these charts you may have seen that I ask people to put on their refrigerator so that they're constantly doing a check-in, like where am I, how am I feeling? Because I think self-awareness is the first key 
to understanding that we're out of balance. And it's interesting because a lot of times when I first start working with people and I have them put a chart on the refrigerator, which I'll describe to you in a moment, they actually say, I'm in balance. And from the outside, it doesn't appear that way. Mm-hmm. But it takes them many weeks to understand, oh my gosh, I really am out of balance. <laughs> so I think <laughs> my first point is self-awareness. Most of us don't have it. And it takes a conscious effort to look at ourselves and look at our patterns and realize, oh my gosh, I am uh, constantly impatient and intolerant and controlling. Wow, I didn't even know that about myself. Or I am <laughs> yeah. constantly overwhelmed yeah. and lonely and fearful. Or I am constantly negative and depressed and low energy. So the yeah. first step is awareness um, to to kind of look at yourself and get honest and say, okay, the last three months I've been telling myself I'm so stressed out, I have way too much going on. And yet here I am again today, totally stressed out with way too much going on. So that's the first step is to just admit to yourself that you're out of balance. <laughs> and then and if I could just, just pause there. Yeah. So, you know, what I, I'm always so struck by is uh, so many times this conversation comes back to self-study, which is one of the major, you know, a, a, in the Patanjali's Yoga Sutra when they talk about, you know, what are the major elements and it's, you know, self-study, self-discipline, self-surrender, you know, those three. And self-study, you know, it's again, you're just mentioning. And it, and it is, it's kind of like a muscle that we have to develop over time. It's not something that necessarily um, you, everyone automatically knows how to do. It gets more, um, it, it becomes deeper the more that we practice it. And sometimes it's easy to overlook, you know, certain aspects of ourselves, just like what you're saying. And then to realize, oh, that's actually a sign. (laughs) It's actually a sign that I'm out of balance when really it was, I thought it was just, you know, normally how I am all the time. Right. I hear that is exactly what I hear people say. I say, oh, well, it appears to me that you're feeling a little depressed and negative. And they say, oh, that's just how I am. And I think, well... (laughs) That's how you are when you're out of balance, and you may have been out of balance most of your life, but I'm going to argue that your deeper self, your your soul, what we, you know, we call Purusha, is not that. Your your deeper self is calm and alert and tolerant and empathetic and all these wonderful qualities that are just kind of being covered up like the sun being covered up by a cloud of negative negativity. We we can help people remove the imbalance so that we can see the true self coming through. That's mm-hmm. really what we're trying mm-hmm. to do. It's it's already there. We just need to help them come into balance so that they can realize their true nature. Absolutely. So you mentioned stress. So let's just come back to that for a minute. What role does stress play in our being out of balance? Um, I think that When we are stressed out, we go to our autopilot um, way of dealing with things in the world. We, Even if we have uh, done self-study and found strategies that are healthy for ourselves and our loved ones um, to, to stay in balance, when we get stressed out, we fall back into our old patterns. Um, and, and you find yourself doing things that, you know, some people say, oh, I'm acting just like my mother or my father. And really what we're saying is, wow, this is my, this is my autopilot that I go to when I'm overwhelmed or stressed out or depressed. And, 
And so, again, it comes back to self-awareness of, okay, I'm, I'm heading into a very stressful period here. What do I need to do to reorganize my inner life and my outer life so that I don't go back into my old autopilot ways of, of being? So I just had a woman this morning uh, cancel an appointment with me tomorrow, and she said, I'm just feeling so overwhelmed. I feel like I need to just stick with my top top priorities that I have to do and let some other stuff go. And I, I said, congratulations, <laughs> that's fantastic. That's beautiful self-care to recognize that she was heading into a few days of overload and that she was going to weed some things out that weren't necessary at this time. Mm-hmm. So Although what's herself. interesting too to me is that um, oftentimes then that that not having enough time may be a reason to, or at least you know, our minds can tell us, oh, you know, I don't have time to meditate today. It's going to be too busy of a day where I I was just thinking about, and I can't remember who it was, but um, one of the, you know, one of the, uh, you know, advanced practitioners um, was saying, I have a really busy day today. Instead of meditating one hour, I need to meditate two (laughs) to two hours because my day is going to be so busy. (laughs) So yeah, that idea of a stitch in time saves nine that Honestly, if we take the time, this morning I was very busy, but I took the time to meditate before we got on the line because I want clarity. I want to articulate my thoughts clearly. I want to be present with you. And taking that time to meditate helps me do that. And and I have a job well done instead of maybe a a job that I didn't feel proud of. So... Mm -hmm. I agree with you. If if you don't have time to meditate, then that means you have to make time to meditate because you right. want clarity moving through your day. Right. So let's just uh, talk for a, a couple of minutes. We're coming up on the break in about maybe three, three and a half minutes. But um, let's talk about some of the tools that yoga has to offer um, that can really help us to stay in balance. Yeah, I know we're going to head into yoga therapy, so I don't know how much I should say, but um, the tools that we choose to bring us back into balance are very specific to the person. So whether you choose to do some postures or some breathing techniques or some meditation, if you're out of direction in the direction of being overwhelmed, you might choose different postures and breathing techniques and meditations than if you were out of balance in the direction of feeling depressed or low energy. And similarly, you would choose different ones in yoga therapy, at least, if you were feeling controlling and impatient and intolerant. So that's the beauty of yoga therapy is it's individualized to recognize which direction the person is out of balance and what should we do? Should we choose alternate alternate nostril breathing or should we choose shitali, which is a cooling, moistening breath? and really understanding how to use which yoga tools and technologies for each type of imbalance. So that's yoga therapy. Um, I do think that just going to a regular group yoga class gets a ton of benefits because it takes us out of our sympathetic nervous system usually and puts us closer to a balanced nervous system. So I think yoga exercise type class or meditation in a group has, you know, 70, 80% of these phenomenal benefits that you can experience with yoga therapy. 
the difference is in yoga therapy, it's very individualized to the person where they are right here, right now. Yes. And, and as you mentioned, we are going to talk more about yoga therapy, but, um, you know, I would just say that there are certain things that, that can always work, you know, so we've already touched on meditation and I do think that having a meditation practice is just a super foundational thing to do. Um, that, uh, well, uh, Lahiri Mahasaya, who's um, one of the um, teachers in the the Yogananda, you know, lineage, um, mm-hmm. was striking because whenever someone would come with him to him with a question, he would have pretty much the same advice, and his advice was always meditate more. <laughs> Right, <laughs> which I think is, you know, it's kind of all-purpose advice, but it does really help because it it creates that space between what may be happening in our day, uh, whatever you know, stress may come up, and it allows us to not be as reactive as we would if we're not if we don't have a regular meditation practice. I love that. I mean, the key word being space, space between what you feel. And and what comes out of your mouth, <laughs> you know, space between the sensations that are arising in you that you can get in touch with in meditation before you take an action. I think that is critical. And I would agree with him that meditation of all the tools in yoga and all, all of the different techniques that we use, if you're able to do it, is the most powerful for sure. And it opens up in that space, what we were talking about of the self-study, it allows us also to see things about ourselves that, you know, we might otherwise miss. So, you know, when we have an active meditation practice, something comes up, we can actually watch, kind of watch ourselves as we get, (laughs) begin to get triggered, and then kind of decide, do we want to go there versus just being in it, you know, being in it and sort of, you know, going away into those, um, behaviors that you talked about, sort of our, you know, where we go when we're stressed out, sort of our automatic, you know, no thought kind of, um, you know, well, where we get triggered, where we get triggered to go. Right. right. And with that, we are at the break. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with special guest, Amy Wheeler, who's a yoga teacher, yoga teacher trainer, and yoga therapist, as well as a professor at California State University, San Bernardino for the past 21 years. You can find out more about Amy at her website, amywheeler.com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of the Yoga Hour. When we come back from the break, we'll explore more about optimizing our health. We'll be right back. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Unity Online Radio is bringing the message of unity to thousands of spiritual seekers around the world. If you enjoy our programming, we invite you to support it by visiting unityonlineradio.org and clicking on Donate Now. Help us continue to provide inspiring content to everyone. Thank you for your support. Here's Eric Butterworth with a Unity Mindful Moment. 
Unfortunately, religions have tended to present themselves as institutions instead of perceptions, something you join instead of a transcendence that you experience. We've tended to believe that God works exclusively through the machinery of an institution. So it is self-evident that most persons believe that you go to church to get close to God. The fact is, if God is present in the church, God is also present in the theater. God is present, period, because God is an omnipresence, everywhere present. So you don't go to church to get close to God. But you go to church, perhaps, hopefully, to be challenged to dig within yourself and to find that consciousness of the presence that is with you wherever you go. So that wherever you go, wherever you are, God is. To pick up the Eric Butterworth book, Practical Metaphysics, go to unity.org and click on Shop. Since 1924, Daily Word has offered inspiration and practical teachings through daily prayer messages to help people of all faiths live happy, healthy lives. The magazine includes two months of daily affirmations, messages, articles, and spiritual poetry to help you get inspired. Subscriptions are available for print editions in large type and Spanish, as well as the digital subscription package that includes the online magazine with audio, smartphone app, and daily email. Get your subscription today. Visit dailyword.com or unity.org. Sometimes you might feel so alone with your problems, you don't know where to turn. We invite you to call Silent Unity, the 24-7 prayer ministry, where someone is waiting to pray with you every day at any hour. Listen and relax as you hear their beautiful words affirm the highest and best outcome for you and those you love. No matter what's going on in your life, Silent Unity is always standing by. Call today, 816-969-2000. Take some time to relax and tune into spirit with Reverend Paulette Pipe and Touching the Stillness. Every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central, join Paulette for a soul-stirring meditation that will leave you energized and inspired. Tune in and connect with listeners around the world in affirmative prayer. Not your everyday radio show. Touching the Stillness will help you bring new meaning and clarity to your life. Find Paulette on Facebook and listen each week right here at Unity Online Radio. This show is an encore broadcast. Phone lines are closed. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, living the eternal way with your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of the Yoga Hour, and my guest today is Amy Wheeler, PhD, who is co-founder of an organization, the Optimal State of Living, uh, which certifies yoga teachers and yoga therapists. Amy is also president of the board of directors for the International Association of Yoga Therapists, or IAYT. Um, so, Amy, right before the break, we were talking about some practices that can really help us stay in balance. And while we're going to switch in a couple minutes to talking about yoga therapy, which is, you know, a, a way of getting individualized recommendations about practices that can help us stay in balance, there are also some general things that can that can help people that are just really useful to know about. One that I was thinking about was alternate nostril breathing. So, can you can you walk us through that and talk about you know, sort of what it does and why it might be helpful or when it might be helpful? Sure. So alternate nostril breathing, sometimes called uh, in Sanskrit, uh, nadi shodhana, 
means that you are going to clean the nadis. Uh, Shuddhi is to clean and nadi is the energy channels in your body. So it's actually a kriya, meaning a cleansing technique. And it's such a great practice to prepare the mind for meditation. It really cleans things up before you go into meditation, which is what I love to use it for is 12 to 24 breaths of um, alternate nostril breathing, and then I'll sit in meditation. So mm-hmm. different people teach it different ways, but the, the way that I learned that it works for me is that I use my thumb and my ring finger of my right hand, and my thumb will uh, basically close the right nostril right up by uh, where the cartilage uh, is kind of halfway up your nose, not down by the opening, but um, using your thumb to close the right nostril, using your ring finger to close the left nostril, and we simply alternate. We close the right and exhale through only the left, and then we inhale through the left, and then we switch sides. You take your ring finger and close off the left nostril, opening the right, you slowly exhale through the right, inhale through the right, and then you switch sides again. Use your thumb to close off the right, exhale left, inhale left, switch sides, exhale right, inhale right, and you just keep alternating nostrils. Mm-hmm. I, I also um, have used this myself uh, sometimes when I am having trouble getting to sleep. And it seems to um, just balance things out a little bit. Um, so that's another way that you can use it. Um, and it, what's nice is is it is, um, you know, it's your breathing. It's something that you can do. Um, it, you know, it doesn't have to be a super long, you know, period of time. Um, but it's a way, it's just another one of those uh, little tricks that you can, that you can use. So um, turning to yoga therapy, so since you're the president right now of the board of directors for the International Association of Yoga Therapists, I really did want to take some time to discuss that with you. And we've been talking about optimizing our health. And there are certainly many things, some of which we've mentioned you know, here. We've mentioned just going to a yoga class in general. We've mentioned meditation. We've mentioned alternate nostril breathing. So there certainly are things that people can do uh, to bring themselves back into balance. Um, but in addition, one of the you know one of the things that they could do potentially is having a session with a yoga therapist. So let's start by just saying, what is yoga therapy? Thank you for asking, because I think we're just starting to educate people about the difference between yoga and yoga therapy. So what would happen in a yoga therapy session that's different from maybe a group yoga class is that you'd have an individualized assessment. And that assessment is not a diagnosis. It's not from the, you know, yoga therapist diagnosing the um, the student because that would be practicing medicine. But rather, the assessment is based on yoga philosophy and sometimes Ayurveda. And it's kind of a discussion between the yoga therapist and the student to explore everything from knee pain to depression, to, um, you know, emotions that are sometimes out of balance, and and kind of use the principles and, and ancient texts of yoga to look look at 
this human system. So, for example, in yoga, we have yamas and niyamas. These are like the Ten Commandments of um, you know, self-care and, and morals in yoga. So we might go through those yamas and niyamas and, and have a discussion about you know, where do you feel you're doing well? Where where do you feel like there's some work that could be done? And then after we do this assessment together, and it's kind of a negotiation between the two, again, it's not a top-down approach, um, then if there's areas of suffering, we would go in and create a daily personal practice that's specific to that person. And this right. could be a meditation practice, if the suffering is in the area of mental-emotional, it could be a breathing practice. If the uh, suffering is in the area of, say, low energy or unable to sleep, insomnia, something like that, it could be a physical practice that involves some postures if the suffering uh, is more on the physical level. So, you know, in a nutshell, we do an assessment together based on the yoga and Ayurvedic techniques and principles, and then we give a personalized plan for that person to do on their own at home. And then you check in every couple of weeks or every month and modify the personal therapeutic plan as needed. So it's just like having, you know, a very, very personalized yoga session for your Mm -hmm. exact needs. And as we were talking about in the first half an hour, we would actually look at which directions do you tend to get out of balance in and can we give you a tool or technique in your practice to bring you back into balance? No, absolutely. One of the things that's interesting to me is I think yoga is itself, any of the practices and the most common practice in the United States is, is asana practice. I think it's inherently therapeutic. I mean, you know, one of the things you mentioned was the, um, you know, the, the, um, uh, relaxation response, you know, it, it, mm-hmm. it tends to decrease stress by activating the other, you know, the, the, uh, other system that our bodies have, you know, you have the fight flight and freeze response, and then we have the rest and digest, you know, uh, the, you know, the parasympathetic response and yoga really does, you know, trigger that in people. Um, that's why it feels so great, you know, after yoga class, you know, people feel more relaxed and at peace, um, but it also, you know, does things like it helps energy uh, move through those channels that you're talking about through the body. It helps that happen, you know, more smoothly. Um, you know, the blocks in the channels can happen from anything from just the, you know, the habitual way that each of us has to sit and stand. We have tensions, patterns of tension in our bodies that we always use, right? You're, you know, you mm-hmm. sit the same way you sit because that's always how you sit that way. And yoga really, you know, takes us uh, through, takes us out of that and puts us, you know, through doing these different poses, um, you know, uh, opens up the channels just by relieving the the habitual pattern of tension that we might have. So yoga, I think, is inherently therapeutic. Um, but Absolutely. yoga therapy adds what you just mentioned, which is the personal, you know, the personal, you know, dimension to it, where it's a it's a personal prescription for the for the yeah. uh, client. Yeah, and and I agree with everything you said. I mean, there, I think going to a group yoga class a couple of times a week is going to just change your life, right? It's going to completely reset your nervous system and 
how you perceive the world. And I mean, I, I can't encourage people enough to get to group yoga class. And I think there's a community aspect that is so important uh, because so many people are feeling, feeling isolated these days. Um, and there are people who can't attend group yoga classes because they're injured. Um, there are people, you know, when we talk about therapy, it's it's primarily for someone who is needing healing in a one or two or three specific areas or somebody that group yoga class is probably not going to work for. So like an example would be we're doing a, a research study right now at Wake Forest where we have women for the hour before they go into chemo and radiation, we have them meet with a, a yoga therapist and take them through a protocol um, that can be personalized to them as needed and showing tremendous benefits in in less um, fatigue from the chemotherapy and radiation, um, more energy, better sleep, less anxiety. So when we say yoga therapy, it, it usually is for someone that has a very specific need. Um, not that, you know, I couldn't do yoga therapy. I'm a fairly healthy woman, um, and I, I could do it, but I could probably go to group yoga class and get 70 or 80% of the benefits from group yoga that mm -hmm. I might in yoga therapy. Right, right. So let's talk for a minute about IAYT, because IAYT as a professional organization for this, you know, uh, blossoming field of yoga therapy is it's um, really trying to get yoga therapy more established. So can you talk about that a, a bit? You know, how has IAYT helped the field of yoga therapy to progress along this, you know, this process of, of really uh, becoming professional? Yeah, I think that is that is our goal. You know, yoga therapy in India has been around as long as a hundred years, but it was never really a profession. It was it was just something that people did. And what we have tried to do is let the public understand what yoga therapy is. There's according to some studies out there, thirty six million people in the United States currently doing yoga with another 86 million who say they're willing to try. And as we know, you know, group yoga class doesn't work for everyone and, and people can get injured. And so there's this whole niche of yoga therapy that's opened up um, that people don't even know about. They don't know it exists. They don't know that yoga therapy is separate from yoga in terms of there is an assessment and a personalized therapeutic plan, that type of thing. So IYT is just really working hard to educate mainly the public about the fact that yoga therapy even exists and it's an alternative if group yoga class is not working for you um, or you just really enjoy the personalized attention. And um, so one of our, our latest things that we've done is there's a new public-facing website, and that's www.yogatherapy.health. So instead of .com, it's .health, www.yogatherapy.health. And it's describing to public, to the doctors, to anyone who might be interested, what is yoga therapy, how is it different than yoga, and how could you find a yoga therapist in your area. You can type in your zip code and you know all the yoga therapists that are near you 
will pop up. And that's becoming quite a big list now. We just did um, something called grandparenting, where we took people who have been practicing for, you know, anywhere from five to 40 years and kind of put them through a grandparenting system to make sure they were qualified. And then if they had the right credentials and had done their work and showed us case studies and, you know, a variety of other things, we gave them something called certified uh, IYT yoga therapist, so CIYT. And so when you put the zip code into that website, you can see who are the certified yoga therapists that are near near to me. So these are the types of things that IYT is working on is, number one, setting standards. What do you need to become a yoga therapist? What are the educational standards? Have you passed those standards? If you have, uh, we will certify you and then we'll help people find out who you are and how to get in touch with you. So those are just a few of the projects we've been working on in the last couple of years. So basically, if someone was interested in finding a yoga therapist, that would be the number one thing to do, you know, is to is so. to go to the yoga so. therapy website. Right, right. And, and get someone who it. was actually, you know, certified um, as having background, you know, to do this. Because in any field what, that's just developing, there are a lot of people perhaps who put out, you know, the words yoga therapy and they may or may not, you know, really have gone through as much that's training true. as the certified ones. Right. Every Anyone could put on their business card that they're a certified yoga therapist. The question is, who who has looked at your resume? Who has looked at your skill set? Who has, you know benefited from you. So talking about where the field is right now, and obviously we've said it's a developing field, but what what do you see as the real challenges right now in in this developing field of yoga therapy? Yeah, I for the you know, as president, I'm I'm looking at many many different challenges that we have, but I think the biggest one is this idea of we have trained, you know, 3,600 yoga therapists or more. We have 5,000 people in, in the organization, but about 3,600 certified yoga therapists who have spent a lot of time and energy and money, most of them up to three to six years getting their education, and it, it is costly. And now they've graduated and they want to work, but the public doesn't know we exist. So trying to figure out how to let the public know, how to let doctors know, how to let hospitals, um, wellness centers, health educators, how to let them know we exist so that the graduates of our programs can actually find work and do meaningful work in the world. So that's a big push for IYT right now is connecting the qualified yoga therapists with the people who need them, but don't know they exist. And so this this idea of we need to educate and really get the word out is is a big focus of ours right now. And, and that's the big obstacle. Now, once doctors and nurses and wellness centers and health educators find out about us and what we do and how we can rebalance the nervous system and how we can write an individualized plan to make sure the person won't get injured, they love us. They mm-hmm. say, "How come I didn't know about this? How no one ever told me?" <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's just gonna—it's just gonna take a little time to connect the dots. I think. Yeah. So, 
what's your vision then as president of this, you know, developing and, and, uh, um, you know, becoming ever more professional organization? What's your vision, say, you know, five years, 10 years, where would you like the field to be? You know, I, I think if we try to get ourselves strictly into medicine as a, a curative or, you know, healing modality, I think we're going to have a little trouble because everything in that realm needs to be evidence-based, meaning double-blind clinical trials, and and we're not quite there yet. We have a lot of great research under our belt, but um, it's going to take a, a, probably another decade before the true results of yoga practice are shown in a very empirical, research-based way. So I think that is for the future and it will happen and a lot of people are doing that great research but for the next decade what I see where we fit most beautifully is into the area of wellness and health education Um, you know say that a health educator at Kaiser Permanente is teaching someone how to um, eat a diet that will help them with their diabetes well what we know about that is even when you tell a diabetic person, don't eat these foods, when they get triggered with the stress response, they end up eating those foods. So this is where yoga therapy can kind of dovetail with other uh, services that are offered in health education. When, when we tell them, eat these foods, and by the way, we're going to teach you how to stay in balance with your nervous system and not be triggered into that fight-or-flight response, which makes you want to eat sugar, well, that's a powerful combination to to help people with. So that's that's where I'd like to see us find our niche until we can get the evidence based research under our belts, and then we'll have two two areas we can enter into. Um, but we need to have something, a place to go, and a place to settle with our health education as the research is developing simultaneously. No, I think that's that's um, a really good uh, thumbnail of you know where the field is right now. Although I would point out that there is a lot of evidence that yoga is really helpful for a lot of conditions. And the the website that I refer people to is uh, Timothy McCall's website, yeah. uh, Doctor McCall. Yeah. I think it's drmccall.com, and he has a wonderful list that he updates you know periodically that lists all of the conditions that have been shown to be helped by yoga. And I think it's up to like, it's over 100. I know for sure. I think it might be 101, you know, different conditions. And he actually gives you links then to the research that has been done. So, you know, beneficial effects on 101 conditions, it's certainly not everything, but it's a start. It's a really good start. Do you have another website that you, you know, that you like to refer people to who might be interested in in looking more into that? Yeah, um, IOIT actually hired Timothy McCall to do a big project for us uh, along with some other researchers, and that was to take all of the research that he and others have on their website and condense it down to these kind of tip sheets. And so on the IAYT website, which is www.iayt.org, we have something called research summaries. So if you look up the research summary for depression, it's a like a three-page handout that goes over all the highlights of the major studies that have been done on yoga, yoga therapy, and depression, and and helps you to understand what those studies actually say. And that is something you could hand to a psychologist uh, or a doctor 
and say, here's the, the latest research with all of the, you know, uh, all of the references if you want to look them up. So IOIT did that uh, for about 10 major conditions like back pain, anxiety, depression, this type of thing. Uh, the areas that we have really great research already to kind of make it easier for people to um, sift through all those pretty high-level complex studies that not everyone is qualified to understand if you don't have a PhD in, in research. That's right. So uh, amazingly, this time always goes so quickly, especially um, when the conversation is just of, of such interest to me. Uh, but we've only got a couple of minutes left. So in closing, what, what words of inspiration or encouragement would you like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I, I recently went to uh, an international yoga therapy conference in Japan, and we had a global network consortium of all of the leaders of yoga therapy and from all the different countries all over the world. And I kind of felt in the U.S. like, okay, this is going slow. We're trudging through the mud. We're, we're doing our best to put the word out there, but it's, it's hard work. And when I went to Japan and saw what's happening, that the 1,200 people showed up for a, a Japanese yoga therapy conference, um, I was like, whoa, we only get 400 people in the United States at our yoga <laughs> therapy conference. So the wow. Indians and the Japanese and the, the people from China, and it was shocking to me, this wave of yoga therapy that is coming all over every single country. I realized, oh, this is happening. This is real. Um, people all over the earth are tapping into yoga therapy and loving it, and it's growing like crazy. And you know, in the United States, it, it has been difficult to get the word out. But just seeing what's happening all over the world gave me complete faith that the wave is here. And so I would just leave that inspiration that it's happening all over the world simultaneously. It's kind of like the hundredth monkey effect, if you know what that is, that um, it's happening. But until you see that it's happening everywhere else, you don't realize you're part of something really big that can change global consciousness. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like it's really exciting. So with that, we've come to the end of the program. You've been listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of the Yoga Hour, and we've been discussing optimizing your health and also yoga therapy with our special guest, Dr. Amy Wheeler. Amy's been a professor of kinesiology at California State University, San Bernardino for 21 years. And as she mentioned, doing research is great. Um, Amy's degrees including include a BA and MA in health promotion, a PhD in education and psychology. She's a yoga teacher, a yoga teacher trainer and yoga therapist, and president of the board of directors of the International Association of Yoga Therapists. You can find out more about Amy and her work at her website, amywheeler.com. Thank you so much, Amy, for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been such a, a pleasure to speak with you, Laurel. Mm -hmm. So uh, join us next week for Healing from the Inside Out, when my guest will be Antonio Sousis, author of Yoga for Grief Relief. Join us as we discuss how yoga provides support in times of grief and loss and helps us to rediscover our wholeness. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. 
a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. CSE welcomes people from all backgrounds who are seeking self and God realization, a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. Um, for more information about the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, visit csecenter.org. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes or Stitcher. And if you are enjoying the podcast, share the word with a friend. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, host, founder, and director of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya O'Brien, assistant producers Ann Hayes and Sean Smith, CSE's global media outreach manager, Holly Gray, and Jeff Comfort in the sound booth at unity.fm. I look forward to being with you again while Yogacharya O'Brien is away. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all that you meet. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA Unity ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 